After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. That's good play. So this is it, huh? It's really over. There's there's no more games. Um, we're we're at the end of the end of the line here. I don't I don't know what happened. I, I it's just the season just wrapped up. It's over. It's done. No more NHL hockey, Todd. It's a it's a bit of a letdown, and I it won't be a letdown for the Colorado Avalanche or their fans for sure. But oh, no. uh, but man, I'm I'm missing the puck drops. It's it's amazing that. You you get the 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 culmination of months of work and effort and the big trophy and handshakes and the parade and all the rest of it and then it says, well well now what now what now what am I going to do for the next couple of months and it just there's a real sense of loss at the end of every season. Yeah, it it is. It's uh, it's just that that gap. You know, we get spoiled too, and I love. The opening round, it's crazy, but the, the first round of the playoffs is, is my favorite couple weeks of the season because you've got so many games every night. Every game's important, and this year the NHL did a great job scheduling it, whether it had to do with their new broadcast partners, whether Steve Hatsi-Petros had the, the, the time slots lined up, whatever it was. We had a lot of games, and they all happened to fall in that window where you could watch as much as possible we didn't have that dreaded like every game starts at seven o'clock thing so <laughs> it was it was beautiful I, I i think i've watched more hockey in those two rounds on a nightly basis or in the first and second round uh than i can remember but it was it was a beautiful thing and that's that's the most exciting time of the year and, and it only goes downhill from there as the games start to dwindle and the series end and then we have hockey every other night and it just uh man it's uh it's a big gap i miss it Already. Well, and understandably, and that's going to have to hold you over for a little while. I mean, we'll have the NHL draft coming up, but I'll, I'll, I'll be watching and everything. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be any referees drafted this year. I, that's, I, that's, I keep holding out hope, but it hasn't happened yet. Well, it hasn't, but. But at the same time, it has. And it's always fun to take a look back. And I know we'll oh, yeah. have it. We will have it up on scoutingtherefs.com to take a look back because. Some of these referees have been drafted. We do have a handful of NHL officials that were selected in the NHL entry draft. Probably the, the highest being Scott Cherry, second round 1994 by the Washington Capitals. At the time, he was a speedy winger. Now he's a speedy linesman. So we won't have any drafted as officials. But of the players being selected, some of them may turn out at some point to make the NHL as officials. So always a fun thing to watch. And we'll, we'll definitely look back on scoutingtherefs.com. And on draft day, we, we like to play along and share what round, what position these guys were drafted. So uh, keep an eye out for that because it is a fun look back. And, and you realize, you know, don't forget, these guys were, for the most part, while they, they may have had years as officials, were all pretty competitive players. I mean, they, they made the transition. Some switched to officiating later, some switched earlier, but we'd have a pretty competitive team, I think, if, if we could dress an official's hockey team out there. And and and, and some of them do it in the offseason, so uh, it'd be fun to watch. But yes, no officials drafted as officials, but some of these guys, some of the players selected this year in the NHL entry draft may one day go on to wear stripes. 
If you haven't already determined this, you are listening to the Scouting the Rest podcast. He's Josh. I'm Todd. Make sure you're following us on our social channels. You get Josh, of course, at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. We'll take a quick look back at some of the final periods of hockey. Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? And oh, look, it's a bird. No, it's a double bird. Some summertime <laughs> fun and some other things. And you, you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe, I, I'm not trying to create work for you, Josh, but thinking with your officials that were drafted, maybe there's the NHL all-star team of officials that you put together. That it could be, like, is awesome. Maybe that's yeah. a way to, yeah, maybe it's a way to look back and do those redrafts that people are big on over the summer too. You know, I, I think I'm going to steal some thunder here. Uh, Sean McIndoe, our, our buddy over at The Athletic, Down Goes Brown, loves doing those redraft things yeah. or, or giving himself those difficult, the difficult challenges of how do you feel the team under these parameters? I, I think we're going to have to test this and, and see what we can do to make an NHL NHL all-star team of officials. So uh, a gauntlet dropped. Let's let's do our worst and see what we can come up with. And then uh, we'll see if we can get him to weigh in as well. Love that. Love that. Okay, Sean, it's up on you at Down Goes Brown to follow him on social media because he's a very funny Twitter follower as well. So you mentioned it, Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup champions. Congratulations, a deserving championship team. We go into kind of off-season, summer mode now. There's some things that we'll think about and look at and talk about in the next little bit. But I want to go back to the deciding game number six. There were a few plays, a few questions, a few thoughts and ideas I have about the officiating, the referees, and how the game came together. And as you look through the summary... Boy, it doesn't look like there was a lot of work going on between uh, any of the stripes because there were very few penalties called in this one. Yeah, it was not exactly a whistle-filled game, and it was a bit disheartening. And I know we talked about it last week on the podcast as well, but the playoffs started this year with so many whistles and so many calls made that were keeping it tight. And it was fair, and it was even, and it was, I'd say, a bit more strictly officiated than in seasons past. But as the rounds go on and as the games go on, it started to fall off a little bit. We noticed it in the conference finals. But holy cow, game six. Were these players really on their best behavior? And I know they <laughs> tighten things up, right? No. They don't. Nobody wants to be the guy who puts your team shorthanded. But did we did we really only see one penalty per side in the deciding game of the Stanley Cup final? Was it really that clean of a match? I don't, I don't think so. No. And I'll, I've got a couple of examples that I want to go over and ask you about. One was involving Pierre-Edouard Belmar of the Lightning, Josh Manson of the Avs. Just so happens the Avs went up the ice and scored on the play. And well, isn't that always the way that that happens? But Manson's stick kind of gets caught up in the paraphernalia of Belmar. Neither referee put the arm up to call a penalty. As I said, there was a goal score. But you know, I'm thinking that if I had seen this play during even an earlier round of the playoffs, let alone the regular season, probably would have been a call on that play. I think so. And it's it's one of those tough ones where you're looking at it and you've got guys trying to get that advantage. They're trying to get that call of, well, is there a hook there? Is there a slight contact? Are you are you chicken winging the stick and holding it against your body to try to draw the call? But th this is one of those ones that I... I don't know. If you, you, you want them to let the players play, then this is letting the players play. So I, I think this was an easy call. I think this is one of those ones that you're you're blowing the whistle on here because you you can clearly see what's happening on the play. But 
I think, Todd, to be fair to refs Gore Dwyer and Kelly Sutherland, I, I think their standard for what was being called came down to some real strict advantage on the play, dangerous situation type criteria. And I don't want to defend them on this because I, I would prefer that this be a whistle. But it was one of those games where I think they called it evenly for both sides. I think this this kind of thing was getting let go on both sides of the puck, but mm-hmm. maybe called fairly, but not as as closely as as I would have liked to see. So it was not called evenly in a sense. <laughs> it was, it was, yes, the, the non-calls were even across the board. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment of 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 how this game was approached yeah and i think just to you know to add to the belmar manson thing i think manson stick was up there and it's marginal and then and maybe they're seeing belmar try to draw the call by putting his arm down and you don't want to send both guys off and you could you could put it up there for the hook you could put him up there for for attempting to draw it with the dive or the uh, embellishment there or you you just say you, you let him go and at the next whistle you know, give both benches a heads up and say, you know, I saw what you did there. Manson stick was up. I saw you trying to get the call, cut out the nonsense. And that's Kelly Sutherland for you. That's the kind of thing I, I expect when he communicates with it. So for all I know that happened, we didn't see it on the broadcast, but it's one of those situations where maybe they looked at it. They saw both sides and said, you know what? You, you guys maybe both were close to the line. We're not blowing the whistle play on. And, and that that lines up with how it went for the game six. And that's probably the difference between a regular season game and a playoff game that has a significant impact on both teams' season moving forward. Is that, okay, we could call it, but it's going to offset, and do we really want to disrupt this play rather than, dare I use the phrase, let them play? Right, and I I think, and I hate the let them play idea. I know people like to see players decide the game, and I think you need to call the penalties because letting them play means letting them play within the rules. And sometimes you yes. have to call the penalty, but y- you see where your threshold is and you're looking for, did one team get a distinct advantage or was this a safety issue where it was a dangerous play? And those are the things you're looking for. Outside of that, if it's even, if you're letting both sides get away with the same kinds of things or you have an offsetting play like this where eh, maybe there was a little bit of a hook, maybe there was a little bit of a draw, you want to let them play and say it was fair, it was balanced, uh, neither team benefited or neither team was put at a disadvantage because of this play, then all right, fine. Now, like you mentioned, though, Todd, of course, a goal was scored on that play, but that's after the fact. You, you've got to make that penalty decision up front. You can't look at where it goes. And at the time, it, it seemed like perhaps this was uh, no harm, no foul, no penalty. Okay, a penalty that was actually called. Ryan McDonough got two for boarding Darren Helm. First off, are you okay with that call? Was it a two-minute penalty? Is that accurate? Yeah, I didn't think it was particularly uh, egregious to deserve more than that. You know, it, it was deserving of a penalty. It was right through the numbers, uh, one that looked uh, looked a little scary and, and potentially worse than that. But we didn't have a serious injury on the play. I, I don't think it was a particularly aggressive hit into the boards but uh, no question it was right through the numbers and 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 you have to call that okay so after the play is whistled Steven Stamkos shot the puck at the referee now he didn't wind up and send a headhunter his way or anything but he did deliberately shoot the puck at the official and I'm pretty sure that I've seen players penalized for this before. Nothing was called. I suspect, though, it was mentioned, and I don't know, maybe Stamkos was even fined in double-secret probation finding ways that the NHL does, but I I, I think that was worthy of 
some sort of attention. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And it, it's one of those things that falls under the physical abuse of officials, which we certainly don't want guys to try to get away with there. So uh, a little surprising, first of all, surprising that Stamkos did it, because uh, that's not something that I'd necessarily expect coming from him to fire the puck at the official. But one of those things that if they chose to, and if they wanted to look at what falls under the physical abuse of officials category, Certainly firing the puck at a ref, I would say, is uh, is frowned upon, uh, something that you, <laughs> you don't typically get away with. And uh, they didn't call anything. So, again, this this comes down to the call on the ice. And you're looking at what refs Kelly Sutherland and Gord Dwyer saw from the play. And it, was this directed at them? I mean, it, the puck was shot at them for sure. But was this something that deserved a penalty? Or, or are they cutting the guy a little slack given the situation, given that it's game six and, and what's going on on the ice to not necessarily penalize him for it but to have that discussion and say hey you you know we know you're frustrated but you, you can't do that you we're not going to ding you with it now and i know it it can be an automatic suspension it's technically a category three so if you're throwing a stick or object or shooting the puck in the general direction of an official under rule 40.4 it is a three-game suspension so that's automatic but it only happens when the officials call that penalty during the game. So if they call a penalty for physical abuse of officials, it goes in their post-game write-up, they talk about it with the league, and, and more often than not, if it's penalized during the game, they do enforce that mandatory three-game suspension. But if they don't call it, the league has the option to go back after and issue a suspension. It, it's just not mandatory. And it looks like in this case, they're not going to do it. I, I get it, but you know, you still want to set the right example. Exactly. I'm going to pause and have a little aside here because this podcast was <laughs> curiously interrupted by a technical issue. This is going to sound very smooth as you're listening to it right now. <laughs> but Josh, for the last 15 to 20 minutes, has been frantically searching to see if the first 13 or so minutes of the podcast actually recorded. He did manage to recover it. And we have now reconnected and everything is working on. Everything good on your end, Josh? Everything's still fine? It is. But I, you know what? I, I can now relate. I have a little perspective on what things must be like for the NHL situation room when a goal is scored and everyone's scrambling and they're looking for the replays and uh, you know to, to John Cooper's chagrin maybe they don't have it ready in time but I I, I feel the technical reliance on we want to get the call right we want to yes. make this work and holy cow you you just hope technology doesn't fail you in your time of need It'll sound seamless after you put it together. So there, there is one other thing from game six that I did want to mention that we get refocused here. There was another bit of a fury and some discussion that took place out on the ice as the Bolts were trying to tie the game because there was some thought that there may have been another too many men on the ice call that was missed. Is this something that we could see more discussion of in the off season. Could we see stricter enforcement next year? Often the league will telegraph something that says, hey, we're going to focus on this. This is not going to get as much leeway as it had. Uh, for example, the slashing on the hands, the hooking, restraining calls and the like. Is, it, is this something that might get talked about over the summer? It, I have to imagine that it's going to come up, uh, whether it's a real situation that they want to address or just the perception of it. You know, you have four officials on the ice and any of them can blow the whistle to call it. But depending on what's going on in the play, you have guys watching the puck carrier. You have the front linesman watching the zone entry. So you've you've got people looking at different things. They're not all just sitting there counting players. So I understand. But certainly 
given the importance of the games, given these situations, there's just there's been a stronger, more focused lens put on the too many men call. So where do we go from here? I, I don't know that you necessarily change the rule. I mean, certainly they could tighten things up and not allow players to step on the ice until their replacement has left. But uh, fundamentally, that's been part of how line changes have gone for years. Sloppy, good, bad, indifferent. That's just part of the game. So where do we fix it? I think if the league wanted to be dramatic and, and take some drastic action here, maybe they do it with a paint job. And maybe you put that dotted line out five feet from the benches for where you're allowed to be when players are changing. And if you have that and a guy's outside the line, maybe you can enforce it more strictly every time. Maybe you can say that, you know what? We saw him. He wasn't over the dotted line when his replacement came on. This is going to be a penalty. But I, I think without taking some drastic measure to reinvent the rink there and, and put some additional markings on the ice, which hopefully, Todd, they don't get in the way of the advertisements because oh, heaven forbid. <laughs> but oh, maybe it's a sponsorship opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, Batman's got us thinking that way now, right? But maybe, maybe that's the only way you do it because I don't think you can really change the interpretation. You don't want to rewrite the rule. There are plenty of rules that need to be rewritten before this one. But maybe that line, maybe knowing where the guy is, maybe that dotted line on the ice could be a possible solution. It'd be a drastic one, and it would make the game look a little bit different out there. But short of a, a rewrite, uh, I think that's the only thing you really would potentially consider for next season. Yeah, and you put another line on the ice. You think that <laughs> might get some video replay scrutiny oh, at some no. point? Oh, no, we were going to be replaying it to see if his skate was over the dotted right. line. The right, exactly. Is, okay. it, is it a plane? Or does it have to be on the ice? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay, so there's one, um, one other item that I want to get to. In addition to the NHL season being over, the American Hockey League season is over as well. Congratulations, Chicago Wolves winning the Calder Cup championship. Uh, funny thing, though, there appears to be a limit on the kind of expressive celebrations that are allowed when a team wins a championship. Seems that Wolves goaltender Alex Lyon got a little colorful in his interactions <laughs> with the fans and posing for photos. He not only saluted with one middle finger, but did the full double bird salute and he's going to find himself suspended for two games. Yeah, it's it's fun, right? He's, his contract's expired, so he's going to land somewhere. And if it is in the AHL, his new team, or maybe if he re-ups with the, the Chicago Wolves, his, his team will have to watch him sit on the sidelines for their first two games as he serves his suspension. But, I, I okay, all right. It's unsportsmanlike. I get it. But holy cow, Todd, I, I, and it was in front of the visiting fans. So yeah, I think yeah. the, the message was clear there. We've seen guys get far, far lesser suspensions for nearly beheading opposing players out there. We've seen mm. dangerous hits. We've had scary moments. We've had deliberate, I don't know, a cross check to the ankle or a slash up high or some violent stick work that hasn't garnished quite as much punishment as uh, as two digits elevated. <laughs> this is true, but this this is a I don't know what do you call it a, a public relations suspension. I mean, sure. you can't have your your players behaving in this manner. I mean, sure, it's emotion, and everybody's jacked up on adrenaline with the 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 final and the championship being awarded and stuff. And doesn't matter what kind of abuse or insults or or whatever were sent your way. You can't have that as a response. That's unacceptable. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I know from a league standpoint, the AHL has to show that they're taking action here. But man, what a what a silly way to end your championship. And 
I, yeah. I, I saw it go up and said, whoa, oh boy, I didn't expect to see two games for it. I figured we'd, we'd be in line for a fine, but the AHL coming down hard, sending a message. And uh, you know what? I'd love to say that that this will be received and and Alex Lyon will learn a lesson, but uh, he just won the Calder Cup championship. I, I really... I don't think he cares at this point. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Hey, uh, just a quick side note there, Todd, as we're talking yeah. the AHL, you know, congrats to the officiating crews who handled the AHL's Calder Cup final, all made up of NHL, AHL officials. Nice crew there, a nice audition, if you will, during the series to see, because we do have a few job openings at the NHL level. We've had retirements this year, Dean Morton, Brad Meyer, uh, Mark Jeanette, and uh, Vaughn Rohde. So there are some uh, possible openings at the NHL level, and you'd have to think that for the guys working the AHL's Calder Cup final, this this may have been a, a good audition for them to make their case for a promotion to the show next year. Well, this is kind of where I wanted to wrap up this edition of the podcast. First, congratulations to Emily Engel-Natsky, who's just been hired as the video coordinator for the Washington Capitals. It's the first full-time female coach for the Washington Capitals, and we have seen women hired in other positions for other teams, be it assistant general managers or coaches or in player development. And NHL, we are waiting for you to sign up that first female official. Hey, we've, we've got the door opened, right? We're following the path that these officials take, and 100% of the referees, 97% of NHL linesmen have come through the AHL. So... If we see three refs and a linesman get promoted that are currently splitting time between the leagues, then one would imagine that opens the door for three referees and one linesman to fill those gaps and split time between the AHL and NHL. And the AHL made a big splash this season. They have seven women refereeing, three women on the lines. Is this the first time we see one of them move up? I, the, the door is open and it's been amazing to see the opportunity they've had and and I'd say from the games we've seen, they fit right in. It's It hasn't been a situation where you go, oh, the, these women look out of place. Not at all. Uh, some of the strongest skaters out there and certainly asserting themselves on the ice. And the players have handled it as if it were any other referee or lines person. So I, I think you have to say it's been a success in the AHL. And now as, as opportunities present themselves, is it this year? Is it next year? But uh, the door's open and it's, it's up to the NHL, like you said, Todd, to... Now we have coaches, we have special coaches for the teams. Is an official next? And I, I think we're we're getting close. Well, you said the door is open, so there's no need to go over the boards early. Thanks for listening to the Scouting the Refs podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram and follow Todd at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe out there. Keep it clean. Watch the elbows. We'll see you back out there on the ice.